I just want to tell you the level of commitment I am at with this podcast. Number one, I just spoke for a solid 10 minutes, looked down and realized I wasn't even recording. (laughs) Two, I have to shut off the air conditioning in the apartment because kind of like my last apartment, it's extra noisy and the mic picks up a lot more than you think. Uh, And I was sitting here with my windows open, and so when I tried to actually record and made sure I pressed the record button, I played it back, and you could hear the wind in the background. So now I am suffocating myself to just tell you a funny story and give you some insightful shit to apply to your life for free. That is a commitment, if I don't say so myself, but... Here we are. I've been eager since Saturday to tell this story to you. Like, while it was happening, I looked at Phil and was like, I can't wait. Like, I I can't wait to tell this story on the podcast. And he's like, really? And he's just like smirking at me laughing. And I go, yeah, they love my funny stories. They eat it up. He's like, I know they eat it up because his own clients listen to me. And then they mention (laughs) what they listen to to him and he has no idea what they're talking about because he doesn't listen himself because usually he's just living it alongside me right so needless to say we're gonna dig into that funny story to start off this episode and I'm gonna have to take brief pauses to gasp for air out of this office and get some ice water in me so I don't die or dehydrate sharing all of the insightful things that I want to dig into towards the middle and the end of this episode, which is going to be just so you have a little palate taster. Is that what they call them? Like palate, ta- like, like, like in Pretty Woman where they palate cleanser, that palate cleanser. That's what it's called, right? Where they bring her the bowl and it looks like a bowl of ice cream. And this bitch would have like shoveled that in her mouth too but it's not ice cream and it's got a funky taste and it's just a cleanser palette. I mean, I drink water to cleanse my palate, but maybe that's a poor person's palate cleanser. Who knows? (laughs) So just to give you a little taste, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about being committed to your excuses that defend and protect your struggles and your weak points. that's a mouthful that I read right off my post-it because I had so much to say today. I had to actually make bullet pointed notes to keep myself on track. But essentially what we're going to do is kind of deconstruct that a little and make it more clear. Um, And part of that is, is really a discussion about understanding and regulating your own limits and, you know, improving your emotional intelligence. So hang tight Funny story first, insightful shit later, let's go. Okay, so as many of you know, I came home from Mexico and started yoga in Mexico every day, continued it when I got home. I'm like 63 days in, yes, I've been counting, (laughs) 
Some people find that weird. I don't find that weird. That makes sense to me. So yeah, I'm like 63 or 64 days deep into doing yoga every single day. I have dropped probably like approximately 15 plus pounds. And I'm sorry, not not trying to brag, but just to inform, I wasn't going into it with that intent. Like I wasn't trying to lose weight. That wasn't the goal. I just wanted to feel much calmer and connected to my body. I needed a, another way to continue to regulate my nervous system and sustain that balance day in and day out. And so having yoga to turn to every single day has significantly changed me in more ways than one. And maybe maybe when I'm like a year deep into it, I'll give you some really good reflections on how I was versus how I am, specific to like trauma triggers and my nervous system being dysregulated or overactive at times. But for now, that's the the summary of that journey. So with that said, I you know, don't really fit in my clothes, which I might have alluded to on an episode or two or five. And I've been swimming in them, which when you don't fit in your clothes properly, it's so hard to feel confident. And I've I've achieved a level of confidence wearing clothes that just don't fit me. But It's just not fun and it's not the way I want to live. It's not who I am. I don't want to be swimming in my jeans. Like my jeans, literally, I can pull them on and off without unbuttoning or zipping, 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 (laughs) zipping, um, zipping. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? Zipping, unzipping them. I, (laughs) I, I could just slide them on and off my body and that's not ideal. So... I also was like, I've always been someone to just like go buy a whole bunch of clothes, like the more the merrier, and buy them brand new, and then like barely wear them, maybe wear them one time, wear some of them all the time, but but the bulk of them just like got one use and sat in my closet. And after traveling with just two suitcases and living very very much like a normal existence with that amount of stuff for two months straight. Coming home and realizing I had like, I don't know, 10 more boxes of clothes was overwhelming. And then trying to like take it all out and put it in the closet and like some of the stuff I was like, oh, I missed you. I can't wait to wear you. But the majority of the stuff I was like, I you're okay. Like, I don't hate you. Right. It's kind of like some people in your life, but clothing wise, I was like, I don't hate you. You served your purpose for like that one or two times. And you're just not my style anymore. You know, like that's not who I am anymore. That's not how I want to dress anymore. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And so I donated a ton of stuff. And a lot of you might be like, well, girl, that was a <laughs> not a smart move. You could have probably like resold it and made a lot of money. I could have. It was good stuff. But I chose to put it in a cardboard box and put it on the street corner in my hood and put free on it and hope that 
anyone in the local community would take it and use it. And they took some stuff and the rest went to like a donation place, which ironically is now going to be how we transition into this story. So Phil and I went thrifting on Saturday and I was very excited to do this because I was like eager to find some like good items maybe even like good good brands at like you know some of it costs like 89 cents (laughs) I got like designer jeans for like six bucks and they look like they're new you know so it was a it's not what I've ever done it's a whole different kind of like mindset for me in terms of shopping for clothes because I've always been since a young age like that was like our weekends with my mom and my grandma like my brother my sister and I we all went to the mall with them that was how we spent the day we came home with tons of shopping bags I sound super spoiled right now but that like that was the thing and then we'd walk in the house and my mom would be like leave the bags in the car your father can't see them and I was like oh so not so funsies for all the fam (laughs) just the ones that were present not the one at home who clearly didn't know what was going on right so That was kind of like my introduction into shopping. Also shown like, here's a book of credit cards, Amy. You should just use all of these, right? So being that I've got a different mindset around money and spending money and investing money now and now the way I dress and what I shop for, coming from a more focused and intentional place, We went to the thrift stores. We went to several, like four, back to back. We spent half the day on Saturday thrifting before we headed to where we were going to go hiking for the weekend, which was like a few hours away. So we didn't plan to, to go to so many places and spend so much time there. But we found some local ones, and I was super excited to do this. So one of the places we went was this gigantic Goodwill, like, I don't know, right down the highway from us, like huge warehouse. Okay. And mind you, it's like a Saturday afternoon on a holiday weekend. So we, we are pulling into the parking lot and Phil says to me, if this is anything like my experience going, and I've never been in a good well, will, I should just like preface with that. Okay. Never. So He's like, if this is anything like my last experience going to a Goodwill, he had gone when he was like staying in Santa Fe a couple years ago, okay? He's like, they had these big bins and it was just like tons of clothes in these bins and you just like ravage them. You just like dig through them and throw things in your shopping cart and then you sort through it later. And I'm now already thinking, oh, This is not like a curated rack (laughs) for my spoiled ass that I can just like go by color and brand and select what I want. No, 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 no. As we're walking in, this woman is walking out and we're letting her out the door with her shopping carts. And she says to us, looking directly at us, the irony is not lost on me here. She's like, This was my first experience at one of these places. And people are crazy in there. 
And I just look at Phil and I go, oh shit, man, oh shit. Like, I didn't really believe him when he gave me, I was thinking, that's a totally different state. This That was years ago, maybe it was due to COVID that they did it that way, Phil, like all in my head. No, no, this man was spot on. We walk in, we get a shopping cart. I'm already looking around this warehouse and I'm, I'm like, Phil, I feel like I'm getting in a TSA line right now. Like the crowds of people like just like standing around, no organization, although attempts at organization, okay? Like attempts to form lines, but no specific area to form the line. So it's just a clusterfuck of people with overflowing shopping carts. Then there's like a wall of people just sitting in their chairs and like waiting around and I'm like, I'm just taking all like sensory overload, okay? I'm just like looking all over the place, trying to like take in my surroundings and like feel out what did I just walk into? And I'm saying to him like, okay, like maybe this is a little more chaotic than the TSA line. Like you got the riffraff on the wall. sitting there like they have no purpose to being there they're just sitting there like somebody dragged their ass there and they were like sure I'll just sit in the corner and wait while you dig through the giant bins like an animal cool okay mind you this is a funny story so if I offend you with my way of describing things or language just keep in mind this is from my very unfiltered perspective in the moment and also I went and did it and dug through the bins myself and bought shit so like if anything I'm making fun of myself so let's just plant that seed before anyone gets offended because I said riffraff like I call myself a peasant 24 7 when I'm literally trying to self-deprecate so there here on a silver platter you can make fun of me too I'm only 11 minutes in or something like that and I'm already sweating in this hot box of a room to tell you this story, but I cannot stop because I'm on a roll, okay? So now we walk in and there are just rows of these blue bins. And if you've ever been to Goodwill, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never been to a Goodwill, this is an experience and a half that you need to have before the day you die. I strongly encourage you pick a busy weekend. And select one favorite loved one that you like slightly enjoy, but also slightly want to torture and drag their ass there with you. Okay, so we walk in and there's rows of these and I'm like, okay, like I am a sucker for just like, oh, join the crowd. It's fine. Like I just like I notice and observe and witness the environment and then. It's like, I don't need you to tell me what to do at that point. I'm just going to emulate what I see. So I just hop right in there. I see Phil like literally just take off and he's like, he he grabs just like a bunch of shit out of a bin and throws it in our shopping cart and parks our shopping cart in the corner. And he goes there and I go, I don't want any of that. And he goes, no, it's just like, that's our shopping cart. And if there's stuff in it, nobody will touch it. And he's like, go to the bins and like dig through them. And I'm like, okay. So I abandon the shopping cart. Not smart. Rule number one, go to a Goodwill. You keep your hands on your shopping cart. Two hands, 10 and two, the entire time. You do not abandon your shopping cart. Thankfully, there was just shit in there that we didn't even want. Because by the time we returned to that shopping cart, somebody had taken it and it was gone. We had to go get a new one. 
And then I didn't let go of it from that point forward. Now I'm wheeling it all over. There is no space. Like nobody measured out this process. Nobody was like, oh, here, the aisles should be about six feet wide so we can fit two shopping carts one way and another. It's like if somebody who designed the highways in America blindfolded doing so and just was like, just gonna guesstimate how far apart the lanes should be and how everything should like merge together that is what it the traffic pattern is like at a goodwill so we're going in and i'm bumping into people i'm standing in line trying to be polite and respectful but there are individuals that come in here that i was not aware until phil pointed them out are like pro flippers as he called them this is a whole new world for me okay they had rubber gloves on and they basically find the good stuff and then resell it and you know them by the rubber gloves and these people are hardcore okay they're hardcore so like cut to we're in this goodwill warehouse for all of I don't know, 10 or so minutes. And then a dude that <laughs> works there who was on a power trip because God selected him to be the authority at the goodwill and he decided to abuse his power. He steps into the ring like he's got a mic and he starts shouting at everyone. And he's like, if you wanna get a first peek at the new stuff you have to get in line i don't know what's happening but i know something's happening and i look at phil and i go i don't know what that is and he goes just keep looking it's fine and so we see them wheel bins out into the other half of this warehouse and it's like roped off in the middle and then we see this line forming out into another room of the warehouse and i'm like oh god this is like intense this is this is like the worst video game I've ever walked into because I don't know what to expect next you know like at least in Super Mario Brothers I knew that like I could like jump on a little shell and like kick it and it would get away from me but like I can't jump on the people that have rubber gloves that are like head diving into the bins because they know exactly where the good stuff is like I don't know what to expect next but I am expecting a brawl or something to go down so this line forms and then he lets them in and these people are not walking to these bins y'all they are sprinting and i'm like am i is this like supermarket sweep like are there cameras in the corners of the room right now what is happening i swear to god this should be an entire tv show it's goodwill hunting <laughs> <laughs> and, then in, and then in fine print for designer clothes i just need you to know i didn't plan out that joke i just like rattled off the tongue in real time so these people are sprinting to these bins and they're not touching anything they're just standing over them looking in the bin and i'm thinking 
the fuck are you looking at? Like all you see is like mishmashed clothing, mishmashed, mishmashed, mishmashed clothing, like of all different sizes for all different ages. Like it's all just tossed in there. You can't see anything by like just glancing at it and not touching. And they're all like, I mean, very dramatically. Okay. Like hands are like out in a very obvious position so they don't get yelled at. And this guy steps in the middle of the warehouse and he starts yelling and we get a whole dissertation out of this man i swear to god goodwill uh joe was like on a on on one he was on one on saturday he was not happy that this was his job but also like wow someone put me in charge of the goodwill and now i'm gonna make all the peasants know that i am their leader like that is what was happening he is yelling at this new crowd don't you dare touch just look no touch and then he gives a straight up lecture on like i don't you have to follow the rules don't be disrespectful don't be racist. Don't be rude to anyone. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, I didn't see anything go down, but like there was this whole lecture that he went through. And then he does the entire lecture in Spanish after English. And now I'm like, am I dreaming? Did I just like go back to Mexico for a second? What's going on? Are we back in the sweat lodge with the interpreter who's going to like tell me exactly what the shaman is saying except the shaman was wearing a loincloth and definitely looked like a holy man and this man looked like he hated his life and he woke up and was fully committed to violence that day all i'm thinking is we're just a bunch of schmucks looking for a discount sir I don't know what you're screaming at right now, but it is completely unnecessary. I am, just so we're clear, the type of broad who, when anybody has to raise their voice 10 octaves to try to quote unquote, you can't see me, but I'm making air quotes right now, quote unquote, make a point. Yeah. You and I can't be friends if that is what you do to make your point because I stop listening the minute you went up two octaves. God, when you hit eight or ten, I am totally checked out. I'm in a different world and it is a lovely world in my head, fully committed to peace. I could not help but laugh through this man's speech because I felt like it was the longest speech of my life and he was just yelling at people and then making everyone repeat after him he was like you need to say yes if you hear me and he'd like wait and if no one answered he was like yes and he'd wait for the entire warehouse to agree with him or disagree with him and i'm just like what 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 have I been missing out on in this world? Like, why was I not introduced to the comedy that has ensued in a Goodwill warehouse until right now at the age of 37? I guess I was not equipped or prepared to be exposed to such an environment until right now. So, so we eventually get in line casually like phil and i are just like laughing through this speech trying on more clothes joking around 
and waiting in line and I'm watching all of these intense people that got their first peek in the bin standing over these bins intensely okay and waiting for him to be like waving his green flag that they can now dig in somebody else's used shit to find new shit for themselves I'm just like, it's not that serious. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, but it isn't, right? Like, I need new clothes just as much as the next guy. Now, yeah, I'm sure there are people that go there that are like, quite frankly, I saw many of them. Like, they're clothing their entire family, and God bless that they can do that and that they there are resources available to be able to do that. I obviously have the means and the ability to go shopping if I want to, but it was just like, even so, it doesn't have to be so intense, sir. You don't have to be screaming. And so everybody's standing over these bins intensely waiting. And then he's basically like, and with the arms, he swung the arms like we're at a NASCAR race, guys. <laughs> and go. And these people just, I swear to God, they're not looking. They're just grabbing and tossing, grabbing and tossing, grabbing and tossing. Like, I've never seen people move so quick in my life. And so we casually make our way over there. And, you know, I was just pleased with finding, like, a nice Zara dress that I, like, wrapped around my neck. So I was like, this is not going in the shopping cart at all. I'm not losing this one. And then I found some really great jeans and a whole bunch of other stuff, which I'm very, very proud of. But, like... I was not I was not as invested as some of these individuals who were like flipping through these bins and then some of the bins have a stench and the stench I like to label rotten crotch it's that smell of like trash on a New York City street corner mixed with someone who didn't wash their crotch for about two and a half weeks but wore tight spandex every single day and worked out okay now you know that smell i know you know that smell that was the smell coming out of some of these bins so yeah you make sure when you get home from the goodwill you wash every single item that you got but then once we got everything we had to get in line we sorted through it rather quickly uh mainly because i didn't put any Thing I didn't want in in the shopping cart I just had to try on a few jackets and then I was good to go and then you got to get in this long ass line once again you feel like you're going through freaking security at the airport a long ass line just to check out they only got two checkers there which like broke my heart I'm like you got like that man who's like on one screaming at everybody and about 18 other workers just walking around with walkie-talkies not doing a damn thing Five of you couldn't get on a register and like weigh the freaking shopping carts for us and keep this shit moving? No. I'm waiting in line and I'm like, why do we not have a, a snack bar <laughs> while we're waiting? Because this was the longest line of my life and there were some characters in this line. Like the woman in front of us cut me and tried to cut the man in front of her, who was actually directly in front of me. He wouldn't let her in. Like he fought tooth and nail to not let her in. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fighter, I'm not doing it. Go ahead, go ahead, help yourself. And she would not leave this man alone. Like this man was with his wife and his kid and she was like all up in his personal space. Like 
the shopping cart was right on his heels. I'm thinking, you already pissed this dude off. And you're really, you're really on the edge here of making him like tip and explode, which is kind of like where we're going to snowball into our conversation today on that topic. Uh, and then she's like, the, the, their kid is like playing with the water fountain. And then she just walks over and takes the water fountain from the kid and has a sip of water. I'm like, this woman has no boundaries at all. Gives zero fucks about anyone around her. So I just kept my distance and I watched. And like she, I mean, she had an overflowing shopping cart and they just rolled that shit right up on a scale. And I'm sure she paid literally like 10 bucks for probably, I don't know, um, two years worth of clothing and then went on her merry way. So I got some really great stuff from multiple different thrift stores, including Goodwill. But man, that's something that you got to experience at least one time. And it really kind of just broadens your horizons and makes you realize there's a whole other world out there that you haven't really exposed yourself to and it's different that takes us into the insightful part of the episode where we're going to talk about understanding and regulating your own boundaries your own emotions and what happens when someone is committed to their excuses to defend and protect their struggles and their weak points versus having an openness and a willingness to grow or even being self-aware in those moments where they're struggling and it's an opportunity for growth so if we jump back to the story about the goodwill for a second, where I just kind of mentioned how the woman cut the guy in front of me in line. Well, she tried to. She tried to. Like she pushed her shopping cart up right next to him and he was not budging. So he just kept staying put to the point where they like collided trying to get into the line area because she was just, she was pushing very much into his space and this is where we need to have kind of like a conversation on both sides of the spectrum right so like first let's speak to the individuals who are not self-aware enough to recognize they have limitations and Therefore, they need boundaries and they, they are responsible for managing their own emotions and not blaming other people for how they're feeling. It's common to want to point fingers outside of ourselves and blame how we feel on other people. But the reality is, is that when you're in tune with how you feel, then you can kind of piece together the fact that like, here's a very basic example, right? When I get hangry, <laughs> it's because I haven't fed myself. Now, I could blame it on someone else and say, you didn't feed me, right? But aren't I responsible for me? I'm responsible for feeding me. And therefore, if I'm responsible for how I feel and what I need, then I have to make sure that I feed myself regularly in order to not reach the point where I'm hangry and taking it out on others. Now let's take that a little bit further. What if I take myself to the restaurant when I'm hangry and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna feed myself because I've hit the point where I realize I'm angry and hungry at the same time. And then it takes the servers and the chefs and everything 
longer than I'd like to get my food to my table so I can actually eat it. I could sit there and say it's their fault I'm hangry. But the truth is, is that like hanger doesn't just suddenly come out of nowhere. Hanger builds. Now, the question is, are you in tune with yourself enough to know that it's starting to get to the point where you need food or you don't realize you need food until you reach the point of hanger? The majority of the population doesn't realize they need the food until they get to the place where they're hangry. People who live in tune with themselves, self-aware and, you know, really um, mindful of how they feel throughout the day will be on enough of a schedule and living from an intentional place to recognize that you know, every day around 12 or 1, they become hungry and so they need to eat something, right? And you can take that back to like when you were a child and you were being taken care of. Most children, I can't speak for all, and I know there are special circumstances for many who are not cared for, perhaps neglected. I'm not speaking to those cases. I'm speaking to the individuals who do have two parents or a parent or a daycare, or a babysitter, or a grandma, grandpa, or nanny, whoever, managing them, right? Taking care of them. I know from my nephew that he's on a schedule, and that schedule changes throughout time, right? As he gets a few months older, his nap time will be different. He'll need less naps. When he gets a little bit older, he won't need, you know, certain, uh, well, now he doesn't really take a bottle ever, but, and he drinks out of, like, he drinks water with, like, a straw out of a water bottle these days. But when he was a baby, you remember, go back and listen to the to the podcast episode, Babysitting with Amy. You'll jog your memory. It's a good episode. I sing. I rap on there. Um, he's on a very, he's on a very strict, we'll say, schedule, right? It's very intentional because he cries if he doesn't get his food on time, or he cries when he takes a poop, right? Or he doesn't take a poop. And like, you could look at any walk of life at any age and recognize the similarities of how you are as a baby and how you are as an adult. Now, here's where it fucking fascinates me because I geek out about this. Somewhere in, in the maturity that arises between being like a baby to becoming a young adult or an adult, we start to not take proper care of ourselves. And, or we never really mature and we expect others to take care of us in certain ways that maybe we're taking care of when we were a baby, right? And so we tend to, excuse the sirens, I'm not gonna stop recording because they happen every five seconds around here because we're in a city, we're a city girl now, okay. So somewhere along the way, a lot of you, I almost said us, but I take excellent care of myself. A lot of you, okay, I'm trying to be respectful here, uh, tend to forget to be intentional about being on a schedule when it comes to food or sleep or self-care, whatever, and you blame it on outside factors like work, like stress, like family, like 
significant others, like friends, like pets, like babies, like finances. Should I continue or are you with me? Like the weather, right? I can't go to the gym because it's snowing outside. Well, then do your workout at home while I run. Okay, we'll run in place. Run up and down the stairs. Find an alternative solution. If you're committed, you will. I have no space in my world for excuses because I don't behave that way with myself. I don't leave room for me to make excuses. I'm not perfect, but pretty quick when I realize that I'm falling short somewhere or someone likes to gently point it out to me and I reflect on it, because I'm actively self-reflecting and looking for where I can grow, I'm much more open and willing to step back and look at myself and go, yeah, you know what, you're right, I could do better here. Yeah, you know what, like I'm that honest with myself and thus with others, but the majority are not, again, I know that sounds like I am making myself out to be better than the rest, but I'm not. There are other people in the same category as me. We live from a very intentional place. We live because we have to, like I have to do this for myself in order to survive like a quote quote nat normal human being. Because if I didn't slow down and live more intentionally, like I have an overactive nervous system. Like there's a why behind why I live this way and why I'm focused on personal growth so much. But like regardless of the driving force behind it, like I had to do this for myself. Otherwise, I probably would have killed myself a very long time ago. And that's, I'm not mincing words there. I'm not joking. I was a teenager and I was suicidal. And so if I didn't start living connected to me more and with purpose and intention for me, that is what saved my life. Not another human being. My decision to live differently for me and take care of me differently for me because I didn't have environments where I could rely on other people to do things for me. So I had to figure them out myself. My, myself. myself. Y'all know I can't always talk, right? But it is what it is. I think you love me anyway. There's a lot of unconditional love between us here on the pod. So now take all of what I just said. Now let's loop back because you're probably wondering, like, what does that have to do with the lady pushing into that man's space at the goodwill and trying to cut him? Well, because like it's the perfect kind of like visual representation of what I'm speaking about that doesn't really have always a visual representation, right? It's a tangible example in a different context because I'm speaking about the unseen. I'm speaking about emotions that people aren't always in tune with until they have an outburst. I'm speaking about hunger that a lot of people aren't in tune with their bodies or connected or grounded enough to know that their body needs fuel until they collapse or until they're shaking. And I used to be that person. I get it. I eat on a schedule now. I eat regularly because I know what happens to me if I don't do that. I also know what happens to my attitude, what happens to my emotional state, what happens to my mental state, and then how I treat people and how I see the world. And because I'm not willing to let myself go to those places anymore. You know, I struggle in other areas. These are not areas, the ones I talk about are, are ones I once struggled in that I have figured out. The other area, like I'm trying to figure out how to do this concept 
in other areas of my life, which once I figure those out, I'll talk about them with you. So if we look at her pushing, trying to push into that man's space, like, first of all, just on a very basic level in that context, there was no awareness as to the fact that like what she was doing was like stepping into his personal space, being rude. I mean, doing all the things that like the dude that was yelling at everybody said not to do, right? So there was like a lack of awareness or a lack of care or concern, a lack of respect, because there's always going to be a lack of respect for others when you're not respecting yourself in your own space. Like if you don't care if people are all up in your space, usually you do, but if if you don't make this connection, then you'll be like, oh, I don't care. Then yeah, you'll edge your way up into somebody else's space and think it's not a big deal. It's like the definition of people without boundaries. They don't realize that you need those boundaries and that they're healthy to have because they expect to just get whatever they want because they give whatever you want because they don't have them. <laughs> Tongue twisters today, guys. Let me reel this in and get back on track here because I'm giving you a lot of examples and I need to break some shit down for you, okay? So if you know anybody in your life who like has a random outburst or you know just like gets angry suddenly and you're kind of like what are you so fucking angry about whatever it is I'm gonna use anger as the example but it could be insert any emotion like suddenly overwhelmed suddenly consumed by stress suddenly whatever okay you fill in the blank for you then what you have to recognize is like often when somebody is really committed to blaming other people then what they will often do is blame you for how they feel. <laughs> You're the reason for their stress. No, you might be contributing. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with what you're doing. If they're not speaking up or establishing a boundary, you don't know any different that you're contributing. Unless you're like the woman at Goodwill who's like not even paying attention to the fact that like she's in somebody's personal space, right? Like she's an extreme example of like, if I'm smacking you, this is a bad example, but kind of a good example if I, because it's an obvious one. If I'm smacking you across the face, I can't get mad if you get mad at me. Like <laughs> I deserve you to be mad at me because I'm being disrespectful to you and I'm harming you and I'm in your personal space, right? So like that's like an exaggerated example of what I'm talking about. But if like I'm on the highway and I'm in a hurry because I was not mindful of my time and therefore I'm running late to an interview and I'm gonna get mad at the traffic lights, the traffic, the person on my left side who just won't pull the fuck up so I can merge, right? Like if I'm gonna get mad at all these things, like why are the roads like this? Why is the bridge like this? Like that's not any of those things faults. It's mine, I'm mad at me because I wasn't mindful of my time. I was not respectful to myself. Now, a lot of people get angry in instances like that and blame the bridge and the traffic. No, no, it's them, 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 them. And you can't say anything different to them. 
no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. Like I should have been able to leave 15 minutes late and still gotten there in time at four o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. What that tells me is that you're not honest with yourself and you've got a block. Remember that word? A lot of people in the self-help personal development world for years used to love using that word. But there's a block there. Or in other words, there's an unwillingness. There's a resistance to taking accountability, to acknowledging you played a role in how you feel right now. It's not other people. They could be contributing factors or as I like to call them, supporting actors, right? Like there's always supporting actors in a, in a film or a TV show. And then there's the stars, right? And the supporting actors make the stars look better or they might not contribute too much at all and they might actually bring the star down in certain ways and make the show feel or seem worse than it really is. Is that the star's fault? They're only responsible for what they put out into the world. But like all these things work together collectively. So of course, if you're the star, you want great supporting actors. That's why when somebody wins a fucking award, they always thank all those people on their team. Because it's because of all of them that helped them get to that place. Now, if they lose, do you think they turn around and blame everyone on their team? I'm sure some do. Is it their team's fault? Maybe they contributed or didn't contribute. But truthfully, how's that going to help you? Maybe that's not the best example. I'm sure you could fire them and buy new, buy, buy new people. Oh my God, that's awful. I mean, hire new people. Technically, buy, no, rent, pay a salary to. Not the same, maybe not the same. So, <laughs> so my point, before I'm getting off course here, my point is that there are contributions to your emotional state, but you're responsible for it. So if something has contributed to your emotional state being negative or irritating or angry or whatever, then it still comes back to you. Because if you didn't speak up and set a boundary for yourself or with them, they don't know. They don't know. So let's jump back to the goodwill lady for a second. The dude said to her very clearly, the line starts back there. And he pushed his shopping cart forward. So he said to her, you can get in line where it begins, not try to cut me. But he didn't say it like that, right? But it's clear when you say the line starts there. It's clear to somebody who's looking for the beginning of the line. It's not clear or it's not, they're not going to care if the person that you're saying it to gives zero fucks about where the beginning of the line is because they're trying to jump the line and get out of there quicker, which was this woman. Right? So she didn't give a fuck because her focus was on something else. And it was just like, just let me get in. I'm one person. It's not that big of a deal, which is how I looked at it. Uh, you're one more person to wait behind. Just go ahead. Like, I'm not going to fight you because you're clearly like ready to like battle it out with a shopping cart and I'm not here for it. So just have your way. Go ahead. It's fine. Like, I'm patient and I'll hang out right here and I'll get there when I get there. Right, but I'm somebody who manages manages her emotions. Now, let me give you a little more context. 
I was getting hungry waiting in this line. I was overstimulated in this environment. I was starting to get a headache. We were like three or I think this might have been our last. It was our last. So we were four thrift stores deep at this point and I was tired and that was one hell of an experience so I'm waiting in line and all I'm thinking about is like could I get a beverage and a snack but there were none so I'm patiently waiting because I obviously want to buy my stuff and I then want to go get food so I made a plan for myself like hey Phil can we eat because I really need to eat because I'm getting a headache and you know, even if you're not hungry, I need to eat. I cannot wait any longer once we leave here because I'm responsible for me. Now, if I was like, hey, Phil, do you want to eat? And he was like, no, I'm not hungry. And I took his word as my word, then I would have neglected myself, abandoned my needs, been hungry, gotten a bigger headache, <laughs> gotten angry at him, blamed him, and said, you didn't let me eat, which is not true at all because I'm responsible for advocating for myself. Whew, did you hear that one? So that brings me to a question. What are the kind of people that don't want to advocate for themselves and why? Well, maybe you're somebody who, like I said earlier, is not in tune with your emotions or your needs because you came from an upbringing and continuous environments that you were able to neglect yourself and survive because your tolerance level was different than where it's at now, right? Maybe you were in abusive or traumatic environments and you weren't allowed. You tried to advocate for yourself. You tried to take care of yourself and you weren't allowed to. You got punished, you got hurt, you got threatened, whatever. And you, did, and you didn't feel safe to, to set a boundary that was firm enough to maybe leave or, you know, continue to advocate for yourself. So you just submitted and tolerated it. Or maybe like, again, maybe it was like a life or death situation and you had no option. So you just completely were like, oh, no, I don't want to ruffle any feathers here. Not trying to anger you because you don't manage your shit, but I'm trying to manage my shit. So you can just pretend you manage all of our shit and you're going to mismanage my shit because you don't know me like that. I have to know me like that. It doesn't, by the way, matter who you're with or how close you are. Like, we can know people to the degree that they let us know them and that they know themselves, but we are always going to be fully responsible and accountable for being the one that knows us best. Now, why the talk of boundaries on this topic, Amy? Well, because advocating for yourself and knowing when to speak up and ask for things are boundaries. That's that's part of boundary setting. Me saying, I'm going to be hungry, I need food, was a boundary. Like, I'm saying, like, I need to eat, we're in this together, we're driving together, I need food. For me, that is the next thing we need to do. And if you say, no, you don't want to eat, I still need to eat because that's a boundary for me right now. I need to take care of myself so I don't go to an, a mental, emotional, or physical place that is harmful to me, which getting shaky because I haven't eaten or getting dehydrated because I haven't drank some water is a, is a non, like I don't let myself go there. That's harmful to me. So boundaries 
are so crucial to supporting your sanity and your peace and upkeeping and sustaining your health, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health and well-being. And these are just like this conversation is just to help you identify other ways in which you may not be doing that or other people may not be doing that. And so I'll leave you with this, right? If you're around somebody who doesn't manage their stuff, you have to set a boundary with yourself to not take on the responsibility or the role to like fix it or take the blame for it because it's not on you. If they need something and they've asked for it and you've ignored that, that's a different conversation. You're not respecting what they're asking for or communicating a boundary back or setting having a compromise discussion, right? But if they don't speak up for themselves because they're not even aware and then they just get reactive and they go downhill and then they point the finger at you, they got to figure that out. And unfortunately, it's, 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 you know, their journey and their process to work through. All you can do to support them in that is like, ask how they, how you can support. And if that's not even conducive to the conversation, let them figure out that they're accountable. Don't contribute to the mess. I can't emphasize that enough. Don't be an instigator. Don't Join. Don't opt into the argument that they're having with themselves through you. Just, just remove yourself. Just create some space and go take care of you. And eventually, in due time, hopefully, because it's up to them, they'll find their way to taking care of themselves because they want to and they need to. And because the less you contribute to the problem, the more they're, it's going to clear up that mirror and make them realize, oh, it's really not them at all. It's really me, right? Like, it's kind of obvious when there's no other cars on the road and then you get to your destination late that you have no one to blame but yourself, right? Whew. Snaps. Snaps for Amy. That's my new thing now. Just like to pretend I'm in a nice 90s rom-com and we're at a poety, poetry jam, you know? Snaps. All right, guys, I'm dripping with sweat, so I'm going to hang up. <laughs> you like how I put it like that? Like we're chit-chatting on the phone. If you're enjoying these podcasts, if you're enjoying me, if you're enjoying my insights, if it's helping you, if it's growing you, if it's making changes in your life, please take a moment to leave a review on Apple or on Spotify. Apple allows you to write reviews. Spotify just lets you rate me. Either or works. I read them all. I look at them. So take a moment. Check off five stars because, you know, I'm worth five stars over here talking to you in my hot box of a room giving you life-changing information and leave those reviews. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon.